0: Hey, welcome to the First Thinking and Drinking Bunker edition. Since we're social distancing thanks COVID-19, we're getting creative and using Zoom for our interviews. So this is the first one and it's my brother Wes Hightower. And Wes has sung on over 150 million records. You know, platinum one is a million. And he's also he just sang on his uh, 150th number 1. He sang with Florida Georgia Lion, George Strait, Blake Shelton, Carrie Underwood. That's just to name a few. If you've turned on a country radio station in the last 20 years, you've heard Wes's voice. Me and Wes have been friends for a long time, but he packed up and moved to Florida, so I don't get to see him very often. And he's the first official guest on the Thinking and Drinking Bunker edition, and I couldn't be happier. Wes Hightower. Westerhead. Hey there. Uh, There you go. What's going on?
1: Not too much. Can you hear me as well? Absolutely. I have finally figured this crap out.
0: (laughs) Well, all right, man. Well, uh, you're a Texas boy, correct?
1: Yeah, just west of Fort Worth. I was born in Weatherford, Texas, kind of a horse town, a lot of ranches out by the interstate. I didn't... You know, I wasn't raised on a ranch. I was just yeah. raised in a little little ranch house.
0: Was it a musical family?
1: Well, we, at one point in my childhood, I remember having, like, one of those Lowry organs sitting yeah. around in the house. And my sister took lessons, but I never did. But I would sit around and hammer out songs as a kid, you know, roll out the barrel, <laughs> we'll have a barrel of fun, that kind of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> It was not necessarily musical training, but it it was a song, and I did learn it
0: well, you came here in nineteen ninety three and obviously you were already singing so like what got you singing to begin with
1: well i i actually i got there in eighty nine and I basically oh. started making uh somewhat of a living by ninety three okay uh so But I mean, my musical background before that, besides singing in church, I ran into some guys. I went to North Texas State aimlessly for a couple of years, and some of the only good that came out of that uh, was that I ran into some guys in a blues band there, and uh, I got to sing with them, and I, I learned how much I liked uh, singing, the, okay. the performance part of it. At the time, I wasn't, I wasn't a performer. I was just a singer. So I can't imagine how boring it was to sit through one of those gigs at those bars and watch me just <laughs> stand there and sing. <laughs> I feel sorry for those people, but I really enjoyed the performance aspect of it. I just, yeah, I never really considered myself much of a you know, a dancer or a mover, or really even carry myself. I don't even carry myself cool on stage. That's why the George Strait thing is perfect for me because there's, there's to be no dancing on stage.
0: But I've seen you dance and it's pretty impressive.
1: So. (laughs) (laughs) Pole dance. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, (laughs)
0: <laughs> when you came to Nashville, did you come to sing or to write or were you trying to, I mean, you mentioned George Strait and we'll get into that a little bit later. I mean, did you come here to get into somebody's band or what, what, what why did you come here?
1: So I don't know if you know, Jeff Huskins, yeah. uh, little, new, little player. Yeah. When I met him, he was actually playing for Gene Watson in Texas. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And, uh, he and I worked out at this Grinders gym in Arlington, Texas, and became buddies. He heard me sing, and he heard me do a harmony to something that I had sung. And he goes, "Hey, man, you—I—I I work in a studio a good bit." And he goes, "You really have a knack for harmonies." And I'm like, "Really? I didn't didn't I wouldn't have known." Yeah. So he goes, "No kidding." He goes, "I'm thinking about moving to Nashville." And when I go there, you should come visit me. I'll introduce you to some of my friends. You know, you might, you know, you might actually be able to work in Nashville singing background vocals. And I was tinting windows on cars at the time. (laughs) So singing background vocals on records and demos out of Nashville was like hitting the lottery. Yeah. Even, even the thought of it was awesome. So about six months uh, down the road from that conversation, he had moved there. And I guess that was 88. Uh, and I think he was working, I think, I don't remember when exactly, but I think he was sort of courting a Clint Black kind of deal, oh, maybe yeah. early 89, whenever Clint got his deal. Yeah. And uh, I came to visit him and sure enough, he did. He introduced me to some some folks one of which was a neighbor of his, a guitar player that you know, Kelly back. I know, you know, Kelly. Yep. Uh, I met Scotty Sanders. Literally the moment I pulled up at his apartment, he and Scotty were getting out of the car at the same time. Dang. So Scotty was the first person I met there in Hendersonville. And those guys basically kind of drug me around with them through their, through their routine. And I, uh, lost your fire? Pretty much. uh, I went and got a job. Yeah. (laughs) Tinting windows. (laughs) So, (laughs) sorry about the, you know, didn't work out too good right at first. Oh, man. But I got a job tinting windows and that got me through about, I don't know. I, I I worked that job for five years and then finally quit and was working enough then to buy ramen noodles and, gas
0: there you go so your your knowledge of harmonies was totally you just was all by your own ear just what you thought well i'll go up here and i'll go up here and i'll go up here and that you didn't did you know it was a third and a fifth and a seventh and all that stuff
1: well when i was a kid in church you know one of our church camps was to go to a singing school and we learned how okay. to read shape notes
0: ah okay
1: and I played clarinet in middle school, so I I had a bit of a reading background. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that was the reason I understood harmonies. Yeah, uh, but I know it didn't hurt. Yeah, and just having a a little bit of musical background between church and and band in middle school.
0: So it was as much. I here. know it helped. As much ear training as anything,
1: I think it was. Yeah, you know, Jeff. One of the things Jeff told me when I got to town, he said, "Wes, he he gave me a Gene Watson record. It was uh, back to back in the fire." And yes. he gave me a Skip Ewing record, uh, "Coast of Colorado." Oh yeah, man. And he gave me something else, and I'm well, maybe I'll think of it in a minute. He said, "If you learn every single note that." It was Dennis and Curtis. Okay. Uh, Dennis Wilson, Curtis Young were doing the backgrounds on those. Yeah. I think one other songwriter guy on the, on the Skip record. But he said, if you learn from these two records, everything those harmony singers did and can do it on the fly, he said, I promise you, you'll work. Hmm. And I guess... I mean, he knew he was doing me a favor because it was information that, you know, how do you, how do you know what to do yeah. in the music business? If somebody doesn't, the does, nose doesn't tell you.
0: Absolutely.
1: So I know he knew he was doing me a favor, but I, I, I really, to this day, I don't think he had any idea how deep I dug into those two albums.
0: Oh, I bet.
1: Uh, I mean, to the point of, I can tell you where they're, where they're not in pitch. And. That didn't happen very often with those guys.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: So I dug into the minute intricacies of the harmony vocals on that record. I mean, uh, it helped me be able to dig into a record. You know, obviously, when I go into the studio, I haven't heard it yet. Right. Maybe I was lucky enough to sing on the demo six months prior. So I recognize the song but for the most case for the most part I, I walk in I've never heard this song before I, I get to listen to it for three and a half minutes or whatever and I have to dig in in all those ways I was telling you and I get one listen to do it yeah. but you know because of what Jeff told me I was prepared for that kind of thing and so yeah. my ability to do the job quickly was sort of built in from the beginning man.
0: So did you did you find a, a certain writer or a certain publisher that just loved what you were doing and said, "I want you singing on all my demos"? Or how I mean, how did you go from window tinter to full time singer?
1: Uh, well, from a publisher standpoint, it would have been Byron Gallimore. Okay. Uh, you know, you know Eric Legg, right? Yes, engineer. Eric and I lived together in the in the humble beginnings of my entrance into Nashville. Okay, uh, out in Bellevue, and he ultimately got the the uh, house engineer gig in the basement at Pride Music. Okay, working on that old school CAD console with the, you know uh, whatever the first generation of automation was. Yeah. And uh, he got to know Byron, and he would work late nights there. I would tint windows during the day, and I would go hang out with Eric at night. Because
0: Byron and worked And I would there, help
1: right? Eric. Yeah, he was running the publishing company okay, for yeah. Charlie Pride. Right. Uh, but he was also basically producing all the demos.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and I wish I could tell you all the names of the guys he was uh, writing down there. I mean, Tim McGraw's early days yeah. uh, were spent in that – that place, Randy Archer was in that place constantly. uh Dude Mallory. Oh, man. Uh, several artists come through there. And I was just hanging out helping Eric with faders when he was doing mixes. But Eric knew that I sang. And uh one day, I think uh John Wesley Riles had gotten sick and was supposed to come in at late and do a late session, like a 10 p.m. start Ugh. to do five songs. And I was there anyway that's what I would do. Hang out until the middle of the night with Eric <laughs> and just sit there.
0: Yeah.
1: But crazy enough, Byron's like, okay, get in there. Let's do this. And he worked with me, but that's you know, good. it probably took an hour or song. Uh But long about three o'clock in the morning, we were done. And he said, uh, Wes, you know what? I bet you're going to be singing our records on these days in Nashville.
0: Dang.
1: And uh, sure enough, he he was right. And he worked me hard. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. I was so thankful for that because yet again it was really great experience to hear somebody with, you know, what is it? Nora Wilson used to call Buddy Cannon bat ears. <laughs> uh, well Byron Gallimore is also one of those bat ears guy.
0: So when you say work uh, you hard, was it about pitch and where to breathe and pronunciation and all i mean what do you mean by working i
1: I mean you'd have to ask him this i felt like my pitch was never much of the problem Mm -hmm. but phrasing okay uh he worked me very very hard on phrasing and because he's i mean because he listens so deeply anytime my voice would change because i'm i'm either jumping out of character or trying to introduce a character that's not right for the song, he would, he would bust me on that. Wow. He'd be like, Why does your voice sound different right there? I said, I don't know, but I'll fix it. And, uh, I learned that once you, uh, once you start singing on something, that's a character and you have to stay there. Wow. I guess it's kind of like acting. I wouldn't know because I, I couldn't act in my way out of a wet paper <laughs> bag, but. I think it is a character, Yeah, and I think I learned how to do that character and stay in that character for each different song. You know, it requires something different. Granted, a lot of people say all songs sound the same, but to me, every song's a different bear, and it requires something a little bit different. So when you
0: say that, you will have a different character to your voice for Blake Shelton than you will for Carrie Underwood, than you will for George Strait, than you will for Florida Georgia Line? Yes. Yeah. And that's just, uh, is that sh- m- based on the artist or the song or all the above?
1: Both. Yeah. Uh, primarily because, you know, what I feel like the the point of singing harmonies is to be as as much a compliment to the lead vocalist and not an addition to right. the lead vocalist. I or feel compet- like you know when you listen. To, yeah, you definitely yeah. don't want to be competing with them. That's why you know you're never going to see an engineer put up the same microphone for a background singer as he did for the lead singer. It's not it's not required. Mm-hmm what's required is find what what elements there are to that vocal whether it's uh you know Blake Shelton has a real kind of a 2k bite but that's the reason Uh he sounds so good on radio right there's there's it's that radio point that his voice has on it other singers have it too Alan Jackson's got it George Strait's got a little of it going on too I mean there are lots of singers that have a little bit of a point to it. And when I would go in there that that's actually an easy character for me to do. Okay. Uh, I don't know why, but it it could just be that I'm from Texas and, uh, yeah. Hick, hick vocal cords make that tone easier. I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but
0: so do you have, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, but when when you find a tone that's complimentary you, you try to hammer it. Yeah. Uh, you try to phrase it exactly the same way they do. Uh, I know I, in the beginning I had engineers bust my chops because I would go ahead and say my S's, you know, if I ran across an S in a song, I would just, right. you know, whatever the S was, I'd just say it. Yeah. And I had a lot of engineers tell me, Wes, you know, don't do the S because if you're wrong, it really sticks out. Yeah. So just kind of throw those s's away and some songs I'll catch myself throwing it away and other songs when I feel like I've got the groove going I I don't I just let it fly. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like there's a little more of a live feel to that vocal. Right. And uh, lots of different records uh, they sound differently depending on how much I'm turned up. But I will say most of the records that I do, I'm pretty much just I'm trying to be a compliment, but I'm finding tones and emotion mm-hmm. in, a, in an artist that I'm trying to recreate for myself without competing with the artist. Yeah. And that usually, I mean, historically, that's the way to do background vocals. If that changes, and it could, uh, I, would, I, wouldn't call them, I wouldn't call them harmonies. I would just call them background vocals at that point.
0: Okay. I I was going to ask you what the difference is of that, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, I
1: I think, I really think I'm more of a harmony guy. Right. Uh, But the whole industry is background vocals. So no reason to distinguish between the two. I just feel like I hone in a little more on pitch and performance and correct technical singing with the artist. Which you know, background vocals aren't necessarily that way. Right. They're doing their thing, and the artist is doing his or her thing.
0: I and did. Notice, I really like
1: to dig into that.
0: Do you? Uh, do you have a? I mean, I know now you live in Florida, so you don't come to Nashville a ton, ton. So you're working out of your home with Pro Tools and whatever. Do you have what? Like, what's your favorite microphone that you feel captures your? character but is maybe not the one that they would use for blake or george or whatever or does that even matter
1: no i've i've got a couple of favorite mics uh one of which is a you know kind of a pricey mic it's a road
0: uh oh, yeah.
1: classic two okay it's the second generation that had better cabling and didn't have a lot of interference going on but i use that uh when i want As full of a sound, or if I write something, I want to sing lead on it. I'll pull that microphone out. It's a tube mic. It's a very nice microphone. It sounds good on me. Yeah. doesn't sound good on everybody, but it sounds good on me. I have a cheap, like $99 studio projects. What is it? C1B Mm -hmm. that I'll plug in. I use that one if I'm stacking on the, uh, the SM7. That's my third and the one I use the most. Okay. The SM7 by Shure. Yeah. That's the staple. If I'm stacking a lot of tracks, I'll pull out the C one B to do oohs or ahs so I don't get that build up of okay. PQ. Uh, on a if I do more than you know eight tracks of vocals, I feel like I need to change something up for tone's sake because you do get that little build-up of a tonal frequency. And yeah. the last thing I want to do is create a scenario where an engineer goes. I need to turn that down. Right. I, know, I try yeah. to do stuff to make them want to turn it up. So <laughs> that's one of the things I do.
0: How did the the George Strait gig come about? Because you were on tour that with him was, for a long time.
1: That was uh, John Wesley Riles. I think it started, Curtis Young and Leanna Manis had been doing background vocals on the records for years. Right. And I think they were his first call. and Curtis had just had back surgery, and I think it was pretty intensive back surgery. He couldn't mm-hmm. ride a bus, he couldn't fly he couldn't oh man he was uh, laid up for a while. And so he told him I, I can't do it. If you need it now, I can't do it no yeah. way. And so they called John Wesley and John Wesley actually had agreed to do the job. And uh, he and I are having lunch one day out in Hendersonville and he told me he got the gig. I said, dude, that's so awesome. Said, but i tell you, man, if you ever get sick or need a sub, I don't have to learn the material. Right. I already know all the material. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, that's great, man. Thanks. Everybody needs a sub and that's a good deal. I said, yep. He just called me if you need. <sighs> well, I don't know, 10 days passed and he called me and said, Wes, and I hate to say this I, because he lost uh, a wife to a sickness and he lost mm. his mom to a sickness. Mm. And I can't remember whether it was his wife that had gotten sick or his mother. Uh, but it was not good. Mm. And he was essentially going to be worrying about being out on the road and getting that call yeah. and having to tell George, I got to go. Right. Right. And I think it was his mom, because I remember him saying, if this happened, you know, I was the guy that was going to have to deal with the estate, make the oh, arrangements. Man. Yeah. So this was not going to be, a, I'm just going to miss one weekend. thing. I'll get a seven and be back. He knew it was going to be a serious commitment. And so yeah. he called me and said, would you be willing to do it? And I said, yeah. <laughs> so it was handed to me on a, a I don't know. Not under not so great a circumstances, yeah. but I'm thankful for it. And uh uh every time I see John I make sure and hug his neck and say thanks.
0: How long did you tour with George?
1: This is well, you know, I took a break. So I started in ninety nine. Okay. And <laughs> I went through two thousand and six and then I took a break, and I came back in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. So I don't I what's that 13, 14 years? I don't know. Dang. But I've been on, I've been singing on the records for you know 20 years.
0: Man. Do you ever feel as a working session cat, as especially as busy as you are, you ever feel like you lose your place or you lose any momentum in town when you go? I'd love to sing on your song, but I'm out on the road for the next four months or whatever. I mean, and I know that country's pretty much a weekend, you know, Wednesday through Sunday deal, but you ever feel like you lost your place or would most people love what you're doing and just go, well, you know what, man, let's do it next Monday or Tuesday instead of Friday.
1: Yeah. Well, two things working in my advantage on that deal. Uh, Producers, studios, they have to deal with artists that have essentially the same schedule I did.
0: That's a great point.
1: So they're used to not having availability right on the spot. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I have lost, I don't know, I'd say I've probably not gotten to sing on 10 records out of the (laughs) 20 years I've been out because you're right. The schedule is not, it's not like we're on a world tour. Right. Uh, We fly to a gig, maybe ride a bus between gigs and then we fly home. So yeah, yeah, Thursday through Saturday, get home on Sunday. Yeah. Even when it's hot and heavy, I'm still home Monday through Wednesday and it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I lost the crazy thing is, what I did lose, and I mean, obviously, in the in the grand scheme of things, it didn't hurt at all. But I lost a lot of songwriter demos mm. when I first started touring with George, because those guys didn't have time to wait. You know, yeah. they write a song, they track a song. You know, if they're lucky, they've got forty eight hours to track it, sing it, mix it, and get it into somebody's hands.
0: Yeah, they got to start so finishing tomorrow.
1: Did. Yeah. And, and yeah. I get it. It's, you know, I'm certainly not angry about it, but it was unfortunate that I actually got, I lost a lot of, uh, hangout buddies that way, Yeah, which was, you know, it was disappointing, but I realized down the road it was, you know, leading to, you know, I almost I say better things, but leading yeah. to new and interesting things Absolutely. and other ways to make money. And
0: Dude, it's I lo- all I good. Freaking loved going to your house and going to your basement and, Putting the songs together. That was uh bl- I, just I wish make- we
1: could have done more of that. Oh, me too, man.
0: But we would just make a day of it and smoke cigars and play with guns. <laughs> what else do you want to do? Why not? <laughs> Why, Why not? not? <laughs>
1: Speaking.
0: Of- oh, I lost you there. Oh, there you Am go. There we oh, yeah. go. There you go.
1: All right. I might have dipped out a frame real quick. <laughs> the,
0: the sound, the pause, that refreshes.
1: All so, been cold.
0: So you just had your one hundred fiftieth number one single yeah. you sang on. Yes. Which is, congrats, first of all, that's freaking crazy. Thank you. Is there anybody else that you know of that sung on a hundred and fifty number ones?
1: Singer-wise, I, I don't I don't know anyone. Yeah. Musician-wise, yeah, I would bet if you were to delve in to, holy cow, Paul Franklin, yeah, Glenn Wharf. Uh, I, I bet if you were to dig into some of those musicians, you would find 150s not even in the ballpark. That's uh, You know, Paul lime has been playing. Oh, dude. On hit records since the early 70s. Yeah. So, you know, you look into... Uh, uh, oh, man, I lost you again. I'm having that now. Am I out?
0: Yeah, no, you're back. You you were talking about okay. Paul Lyme.
1: Yeah. He... uh I would I would be willing to bet musicians like that yeah. are the ones that people should go digging on those guys. Yeah. For me, it's just a number. Uh, it, it, I'm proud of the number, but I think in the grand scheme of things, middle of the pack.
0: Well, and you're still young. I mean, you still have, t- shoot, man, 30 more years of this if you want. Ooh.
1: No. <laughs> I don't want – I don't. I want. I want to ride off into the sunset when I'm still excited enough to sing that I can Mm. actually do some live stuff in my retirement. Yeah, and still have fun. Singing is. uh, It's the best job in the world. Yeah, but it is still a job, and the older I get, the harder it is to distinguish between what's work and what's fun. Mm. And I don't ever want singing to not be fun. So mm. 30 more years would be a little much for me to work at this pace.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you moved to Florida almost five years ago. And I mm-hmm. assume, I mean, you you were doing all of your stuff, most of your stuff at home and you're still busy. Has the music biz, we, we all know how much the music business has changed. Is it affected you? as much as it affected, I don't know, people in studio owners or or whatever you want to say here in town.
1: I would say if I still lived in Nashville and were intending on working at that, that pace I held for 20 some odd years. Yeah. I would be very disappointed with the amount of work I was getting, but because my head sort of started going in a different direction before this happened. Yeah. I was kind of backing off to begin with. So for me, I felt like I was more in control of that, that, that slide Hmm. than the industry. And because of that, I don't feel slighted at all. It wasn't forced Uh, upon you. No, it wasn't forced upon me. Yeah. Uh, And it was just a fortuitous timing i'm i'm the, I truly am the luckiest musician I know because I have friends now that, that you, you, they can't track the only guys that are working right now are guys that are doing remote yeah. sessions to my knowledge, you know unless they're able to do social distancing tracking sessions. Oh, man. I don't know where they're doing because you know the tracking room closed uh, last month. so how many studios are left?
0: Tracking that are big enough closed?
1: to social... Yes. I didn't know that. They're tearing it down. Oh, man. Uh, take a wild gas. Hmm. Condos. Yeah. Office Co- building.
0: Or, high or rise. parking garage.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I mean... So, yep. Yeah, I don't know how guys are doing it. I aged out of the publishing thing so long ago that... Amy was so nice to let me have the whole basement. So I have a really nice Pro Tools rig and some good mics, and, and I do it all, every demo that I do, which isn't many, but I do here at the house. And I can do everything here except track live drums. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what real studio musicians and I don't know what studio owners are doing. I don't know what cartage companies are doing engineers. I don't know any of those cats, man.
1: Uh, I really I feel for the trenches. Yeah, the music business where yeah. the, the the trenches where the music is made uh that's been decimated and I'm not really sure it's it's over. I think it's going to get worse. And I <laughs> hate that.
0: Dude, I don't know about you, but I would not be super excited to go into a super airtight recording studio and do a bunch of sessions either. Right. You know, yeah, it's just like, I don't know, man, I don't know where you've been. I I know you're a healthy guy, but I don't know who you've been around. I think it would really cut And as a
1: singer, you know, I got to go blow through that same pop filter (laughs) into that same microphone that... You know, the last yahoo used, whom I might not even know, let alone yeah. know where they'd been. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable telling them to come up and sing after me either because there's yeah. no telling where this had been.
0: And somebody's going to get butthurt if you come in there with your own microphone and your own pop filter and stuff. It's just like, what's the matter? You don't like RSM7? Yeah. You know? Right. So, back to the studio. I mean in the old days, making doing masters were the producer and the artist there most of the time and here's here's what i'm I'm getting at is because for the last eight or ten or twelve years, you've done your a lot of your BGVs and stuff remotely in your home because they all trust you so much. So did you just sing and put as many parts? As you can, and then just let the producer and artist chop out what they didn't want? Or again, is that all the above? Is that?
1: Well, in the beginning, yes. I would say uh, up until probably I started doing remote sessions in 2004. Okay. Uh, so it's a long But time I ago. was still, you know, that was, I was doing, you know, 10% of my work there. Yeah. So 90% was still in studio. And in those cases, I mean, 95% of the time the producer was there and 50% of the time the artist was there. Okay. You know, by the time the artist is done with their vocals, they're back out working. Right. So I couldn't really, I was always excited when artists cared enough to be there yeah, and wanted to be involved. Uh, but for the most part, they were gone, and it was just me, producer, and engineer, and, and maybe another singer, because you know I work with a lot of different singers as well. Yeah. So uh, yes, I was always uh, I always had direction from a producer. Yeah. Sometimes an artist, and I think it just got to the point to where some of the producers we got, you know, we developed a rapport yeah. for the kinds of things they wanted for this artist. And once they understood that I knew what to do, then granted, yeah, they they trusted me to handle it. Right. Uh, and because, like you said, I try to do, I do what I want to do. I, I do what I feel. Yeah. And then I say, okay, where are the question marks? And I fill those spaces in. Okay. If, if I do a song that I don't hear ooze on, or Oz, or whatever. Yeah. But I think maybe there's a hole there that the en- engineer or producer whoever's mixing might want to fill with something. I'll do it. And I'll just email them the files and say, if you don't use it, you know, I'm not pissed off. Right. It, it right. takes, you know, take me seven or eight minutes to do a big ooh thing, and <laughs> that's no big deal. Yeah. So...
0: <laughs> so did you ever argue with a producer or an act on certain harmonies or even maybe even the, the melody that the act the artist yeah. was, was singing.
1: No, no, but <laughs> however, uh, but <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason that day, I I got tweaked, <laughs> uh, was working on a Jason Aldean record with Michael Knox and Michael says, okay, we got one last song called 1993. Yes, I'm like, okay, let's pull it up. And they played it. And there was a part in that song, Joe, Joe, Joe Dippy, Joe, yep. And it rubbed me wrong. <laughs> and I said, Michael, I'm not singing on that song. <laughs> Holy crap. He said, dude, what, what's wrong? I said, that's a slap in the face to every country music lover I've ever known. He goes, dude, you're not going to believe this. Let me just explain. We've already run this by Joe. He loves it. It's, it's Mm. all good, man. It's all good. And I said, really? He goes, it's all good, man. It's going to be fine. You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, Jason had already ushered urban feel into country music with Dirt Road Anthem anyway, at this point. So, was nothing for him to take a stretch. Yeah. He was into that. And I get that part of it. Right. It just, to me, it was, I felt, I felt like it was a bit of a jab. Uh, and anyway, he talked me into singing on the song and never called me again. (laughs) What? So, you're no kidding. I don't blame him. I mean, what was I, I just, you know, it, it rubbed me. Rubbed me wrong and I flew the coop and he decided he didn't want to call a guy that flies the coop.
0: Did you sing on the song or no?
1: Yeah, I did. I did sing on the song. He talked me into singing on the song. I pulled it off. But I think I think it, you know, I think it getting under my skin and me being so vocal about it it kind of got under his skin. Yeah.
0: Well, God forbid you should have some integrity.
1: Sorry about Mm. that. Well, here's the problem. I still did it. I probably should have just not done it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a whore.
0: (laughs) Hey, man. It is what it is. You can't buy stuff if you don't have money.
1: In this business, you have to say yes.
0: Yeah. The
1: answer is yes.
0: So then, having said that, I'm assuming you have sung on a couple of more demos and or masters that you just have to bite your tongue and just get through them. Probably some of my songs.
1: <laughs> I don't, well, the, the thing here's, I'm going to tell you, I look at this completely different. If, if I can't get into a vocalist mm-hmm. or just don't think I will dig in and I'll find something cool about a track that keeps oh, me interested. Okay. Uh, if, if everything sucks, chances are they didn't call me in the first place. Right. So I don't really get yeah. a lot of, Oh my God, this is terrible all yeah. the way around. I don't, I, I've never really done that. I've I've sung on songs where I thought, well, the lyric is horrible, but the singer's not bad. And you know, the track sounds good. You know, maybe I recognize who's on fiddle or something. Right. The song. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll find ways to inspire myself with that. But you know what? I, there, there's no, uh, as crazy as it sounds, the fact that it gets recorded, there really is no, there's no bad music. Yeah. There's just, there's a bad response to music, but there's no bad music.
0: And it's, it's only all three, just music. And it's only three minutes.
1: It's at three minutes. And if you can live through that, yeah. and it's over, and you can look forward to the next song, maybe it'll be a Zeppelin song. It's something. not bad This
0: song's horrendous, but hopefully the next song is a stairway to (laughs) heaven.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) No stairway.
0: (laughs) Uh, Just because I'm looking at you, which is awesome to begin with, this is the first Zoom. This is the first uh, thinking and drinking bunker edition. So thank you again for doing this. But you got a big old cigar. You got a nice cold beer there. I mean, you have, as far as I'm concerned just a bulletproof voice. I mean, does, is, is there any tricks to, to stay in sh- I mean, I know singers as well as you do that no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, no tobacco, no gluten, whatever, just to keep their voice where they, where they need it. And do you have any tricks or do you have, I mean, does any of that stuff bother you? Uh,
1: I will say, you know, back in the, I guess, mid 90s, I tried smoking pot Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh, it was fine for three or four months. And then I realized it was affecting me the next day. Hmm. Uh, uh, Maybe it was a sinus thing, lung thing, but I found myself with uh, gear oil for saliva the next Mm -hmm. morning. And uh, I think that was when I realized, you know, not taking anything into my lungs was the way to go. So you see me smoking cigars, but you will never see me inhaling anything. Right, right. You know, I I don't take anything into my lungs. Yeah. And since then, yeah, I mean, really, it has been bulletproof. You know, the crazy thing about me with a sinus infection is I just sound more country. So the breathing doesn't huh. change unless I've got a chest cold. Right. If I have a chest cold, I mean, that can put me out of commission, but I've had what, yeah. two of those in 20 years. Right. So, yeah, I mean, bulletproof's a good word for it. I'm thankful for that. I don't know if it's, if I'm any different from anyone else. It's just, I don't have, I don't have a lot of n- neurosis when it comes to singing. You know, I, I can yeah. either get into that character or I can't. And I blame myself. If I can't get into that character, not milk or juice or beer sure. or vodka or whiskey or fireball <laughs> and Jägermeister. <laughs> and then I start drinking. <laughs> so,
0: Well, that's probably the, also the nice thing about being at home is if if it's 10 o'clock in the morning and you just go, yeah, I'm not feeling it. You can come back at, after lunch and go, yeah, now I'm fired up. been hanging out by the pool. It's a pretty day. I think I'll start singing. And That happens
1: like, occasionally, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, as long as there's not a serious deadline,
0: right? I do. Right, I'll,
1: right. I'll sit down there and I'll I'll hack up a couple of loogies and <laughs> go. You know what? I'm going to go eat breakfast, drink yeah. some coffee, because I start pretty early here. I usually start around seven a.m. singing. So I'll, you know, if I can't really, I'll 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 turn a song on and I'll realize, holy crap, this guy's a high singer. You know, okay. the third's going to be. High and the fifth is going to be high as shit Right Fifth's So gonna be I, I'm going I'm to take a break And I'll go in the kitchen and warm up a little bit While I'm eating And uh, Then by the time I get back If if I need to literally belt out A Zeppelin song to finish Off the warm up I'll do that Really, And uh, then, I, then I'll go at it I, I, I literally uh, A whole lot of love Is a great warm up song if, if you're struggling with morning voice,
0: holy crap! I would have never guessed that.
1: You got to hope nobody's listening to those first couple notes. But uh, by the time through a chorus, yeah, it's just it forces you to open up. And hmm. I love, I love that. I do that twice a month. Man, that's and awesome. W- when I'm lucky, I don't embarrass myself on the first couple lines of the song.
0: Uh. You also have the one Lay's potato chip trick, which I'm a huge rock solid. Yes. And, I mean, I know, like, I was on the road with FGL for two years, and Tyler and BK did that every night, and they said they got it from you, of course. And I know you told George about that. You literally will eat one or two Lay's potato chips right before you hit it, There's just enough grease in there to get your vocal cords lubed up, but you don't get full. And, dude, it's freaking brilliant.
1: It's awesome. And, by the way, that's – Amy Grant told me about that. Really? So that's really – I don't know where it originated, but I learned it from Amy Grant back in, like, you know, 1994 or something like that. That (laughs) was a thing she did back in the day. So it's not my trick, but uh, I'm glad that – I'm glad people listen when I tell them about it because it's, I mean, it's Man. wonderful. Yeah, It works. Plain lays potato chips.
0: Dude. And you would never, you would never think that. And it's not like you're eating a burrito before you go on stage. You're eating one or two right. stinking potato chips and off you go. Yeah. So would you have any advice for young folks trying to throw their hat into the uh, BGV ring, except don't do it because you're still whipping ass
1: no, I. I the, the, what's great is, you know, right now John Wesley's still working, Russell Terrell, yeah. uh, Perry Coleman, uh, a, a host of, of females are still working in, in the Marty Slayton. Uh, oh yeah, Kim Kim Parent.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, Leanna Manis is still working. There's so many. There's so many singers working, and it's never a competition because
0: yeah,
1: each person has their thing that they do. So, granted, there's ebb and flow to whether or not the industry wants your thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when it comes to Russell and Perry and I, uh, what they want from us is to sing like a girl Mm. Yeah. so that they don't necessarily have to hire girls. Okay. Not because they don't want to, but because they can do it for half the money. Yeah. (laughs) It's literally about money. So we got a guy who can cover a girl's part. And it saves me $285. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> that's the that's the philosophy <laughs> of what's going on with record budgets and stuff like that. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they it's a sound and they want people, not yeah. person. Uh, but a lot less of, of the the people thing is going on these days because of budgets. Yeah. That's all, that's all that is. It's got nothing to do with. You know, he or she is so good, they don't have to call anybody else. Right. It's not about that. It's just about budgets.
0: If I can get it done, and hiring one person instead of two, then I'm going to do
1: it. Then I've done it for half the money.
0: Yep.
1: And that's a bag of weed right there. (laughs) So.
0: Well, it depends on the producer.
1: Well, true. (laughs) Yeah, there's some stuff out there a lot more than 285. Um <laughs>
0: dang I miss you do. I have
1: I don't have any of it. I don't have any of it.
0: <laughs> do you want to, I got a couple uh, of
1: I got a couple of Jolly Ranchers and that's it.
0: Exactly. And some cigars that might or might not be from Cuba. That's about it. Oh, I know what I was no, gonna actually, ask
1: you. Bloody. On
0: your on your website, you have the good news your your freaking record, man. Uh, Yeah. Are you doing another one? What what are you doing with that kind of stuff? I mean, I know it's freaking hugely expensive to do and everything, but just even looking at who you got playing on here, man. Chad and Brignadella and Moose and JT and
1: Jimmy. That was holy cow, I mean the most fun I'd had in a studio in twenty years.
0: Oh, I bet.
1: It was so much fun tiring as hell because we tracked the whole thing in a day
0: did you really
1: uh uh the first eight of the 11 songs were my tracking vocals and i was so tired by the time we tracked the last three songs i was just i was miserable so i had to (sighs) re-sing those but everything else was tracking vocals yeah and it was a blast and I mean, the cost, it, it does, it costs a lot of money to make a record. It's not just the day of tracking, but you got to, yeah. it's after that you find yourself spending money and, and, you know, but, you know, I made hundreds of dollars <laughs> selling that record. So it could happen again.
0: It could happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so did you do that in one big room? Did you, how did you cut that thing? Abbey Road style, or or what did you do with that?
1: We cut it at uh, Tree. Oh, okay. Tree. Uh, Ed C hooked me up thanks to Adam Engelhart, because he gave me like a songwriter rate for the studio, which the, was unbelievably yeah. great, like half that's a, price. That's an great. awesome
0: room, too, man.
1: So, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's a great place to hang out. Yep, and I just feel like if 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 you want to be musical, yeah, it's got to be social. Oh, man, and, that's uh, awesome! Yeah, and, and,
0: that's awesome.
1: And and Sony is, uh, in in my opinion, one of the three most social places you could ever track music in town. I was. It's loving- not the biggest, yeah, but it's a wonderful place to hang out.
0: I always love cutting there because you never knew who might come in just to grab a cup of coffee and, and see who yeah. was cutting, and you might know, yeah. you might not. I don't know. How
1: right? Doing? Yeah. A lot of people you might stick go, their head in there.
0: Hey man, you want to write sometime? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's cool, well, man. Uh,
1: you know, for you, that's what they say to you. You know, they walk in and check on me and go, "Hey Wes, hey man, you want to see some background vocals on this thing I did?" <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's just yeah.
0: Nobody wants to ride with me, I guarantee you that. Dude, you no, wanna nobody uh,
1: wants to ride with me either.
0: they <laughs> like you and me ought to ride. You're already by the pool with a cigar. You wanna do my lightning uh, round?
1: Uh wh- when's your next vacation uh, opportunity?
0: <laughs> uh as soon as the coronavirus is done.
1: Because, you know, there's a spot about six feet from here that's good for a guitar. Really? So I'm just saying, and you know, we got a room six feet away from us yeah. that uh, you could stay in and bring Amy. And you guys could have as much fun as a quarantined person Couple. could have
0: Ought in I have. Florida. I don't know if you can see what's going on there.
1: Hang on, let me push. I'm going to push the button and get you back on there. I like your guitars. I still have your your green G&L. Oh, you do? Yep.
0: I hope you're playing it. It's a great guitar, man.
1: uh, (laughs) I'm a terrible guitar player, but occasionally I do pull it out, and I've got this little mini orange amp.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And I'll crank it up and... Play some ACDC.
0: Well, I don't know if it makes you feel any better, but Big Al Anderson called me one of the best guitar owners he's ever met in his life.
1: One of the best guitar owners. Yeah. You do. You do have. Well, I will say this you've got some pretty cool guitars.
0: <laughs> I, I was hoping he was going to say best guitar players, but what he said
1: was owner. <laughs> best guitar owner. <laughs> uh, well, so, yeah I hey, like you know you're talking to a guy that invented the scuffle so.
0: <laughs> what is the scuffle
1: well it's 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 not really a shuffle <laughs> and that's his he's got that al anderson so. dude, and he's
0: always this much behind the beat and when you get him and chad Cromwell and oh. Dello, or not uh, i mean uh uh, Glenn Wharf together, the scuffle can almost make you seasick, man. It's awesome.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> so, if anybody can throw a slight shade oh, and get away with it, it would be Al Anderson.
0: Hey, at least he said Even I, was one,
1: the- I was
0: one of the best.
1: That's right. That's oh, right. Yeah. You consider it a compliment. He's great.
0: No, I love that guy, man. Uh, Do you want to do my thinking and drinking lightning round? All right, go. Okay. What this is. B.
1: (laughs) 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 You've got it. All
0: right. What's your favorite book? What's your favorite book?
1: Favorite book, probably Lord of the Rings. Sorry. I know it's not a good Autobiography of some dude, but <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Are Final you a, answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you a bath or shower guy? Shower. Nice. What's the uh, last gift you gave someone?
1: A uh, hundred dollar bill today.
0: Really nice. Yes. What's the first this guy's co- been making
1: bagels and bringing them to my house like every other day, oh, and good. asking for nothing. So, sorry, but he brings me a gift. I give him a gift.
0: Absolutely. That is very commendable. What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a T-shirt? All
1: right. Uh, Striper. (gasps) I
0: love Striper.
1: I had just turned 18. Okay. And I did not get a T-shirt because that would have cost like 12 bucks.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) And uh, twelve bucks was like a month's worth of food for me at that point. Dude,
0: you know, I have a striper New Testament from when the, I Do saw you, them. Really? Yeah, because I saw them here at uh, Starwood with. Oh, they opened for heart.
1: And wow! They, they used and to come he out. sings higher than she did. Oh man! <laughs> you know where they used so to come out and, I...
0: and throw out New Testaments, and I have one.
1: That's awesome, dude. No, but, I, I was way far back. So he would have had the head of a rocket army <laughs> right. where I was sitting.
0: <laughs> What's your uh, favorite song you've either written or that you sang on? Whether it was, it, whether it was a hit or not, doesn't matter.
1: Uh, I'm going to have to narrow it down to two. Okay. Uh, George Strait Run. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. And Leanne Womack, 20 years and two husbands ago. Um, I'm most proud of, uh, and we were talking about Mm. characters a while ago. Yeah. And how I find a character for each song. Those two songs, uh, Demanded it Hmm. More than I'm not saying they're the only songs But they're the two that stick out As being uh, I'm so glad I got to be in the room for that Yeah Uh, Because it was a special moment for me Now That's musically Uh, Content wise uh, Randy Travis, Three Wooden Crosses. Yeah, uh, I sang on that demo for Doug Johnson really? and had to quit. I had to quit. I cried for 10 minutes thinking, How did you bastards <laughs> make this happen? Yeah, yeah. And I finally got back in there, composed myself and got to sing on it. And then Kyle calls me to sing on the record for Randy and it happened again. Mm. So those are, those are moments that yeah. literally stand out way above the, and, and don't get me wrong. I've sung on so many great songs, Dirt, Florida Georgia line. Dirt, dirt, That's one of the best dirt. songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, w- it was amazing to be part yeah. of that. So, yeah, lots of things are great, but those three stick out as never forget them ever.
0: Did you like my BGVs right there?
1: Dirt, 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 dirt. dirt, dirt.
0: Well, I was I gonna. I, <laughs> I was gonna ask. You, me. What it wasn't you?
1: No. Oh. I'm I was going to ask
0: you, what song do you wish you would have written? But I think you just kind of explained that. Is there, is there a, a, a song that you wish you would have sang on? I mean, Aretha uh, Franklin or Prince or anything like that? Well,
1: one, one that I missed was I Help You Dance.
0: Oh, man.
1: Uh, Mark Sanders. You know, I was, and what's crazy is I was working for Mark at the time. But I just didn't get the call for that session, so I'm really sorry.
0: Wait a minute. Was there anybody on there besides Sons of the Desert?
1: I don't know. I'm just talking about demos. I I don't. You know, I'm I'm just. That's. I wish I could have sung on that demo. Yeah.
0: Uh.
1: But I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know that any other background singer was called for the record. I great- just, I wish it would have been me. Yeah.
0: What would you be doing if you weren't doing singing and sitting in the sun smoking a cigar?
1: I would likely be in the trades, whether it was construction or whatnot. And my job would be to fire people <laughs> every day. I, I know that would be my job. I'm not even questioning that that would be my job. That would be my job.
0: You would just be the exterminator.
1: And I would be the happiest son of a gun in the world.
0: Why would that make you so happy?
1: Because I love being able to stop the pain. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the <laughs> instant fix. I can stop this pain now. you're fired magically. the pain goes away. <laughs> it's instantaneous gratification. <laughs> that's, so awesome. that's what I would do if I wouldn't sing.
0: I love that. so even though you are sing- <laughs> singing <laughs> twenty thousand songs a year, what are you listening to for for fun?
1: I still. I still uh, pull up Y2K. Oh, okay. I still listen to Y2K country. I mean, that's yeah, crazy enough. You know, I've got I've got most all of the music I grew up on. Yeah, uh, just all the way back to Statler Brothers, Ugh. that that era, yeah. and the obvious Merles and Waylon's and, right. and Johnny Cash's, and you know, an early John Anderson, you know, eighties. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got all of that, but I, I listen to nineties through two thousand ten country a lot. Really? And when I when I'm not there, because that was kind of yeah. I, mean, I guess because I was a late bloomer as far as just coming into my own and getting an identity or whatnot. Yeah. Uh I was a very late bloomer. <laughs> so that's kind of when uh I started feeling like my own man yeah, and that was a music I was listening to. So it it resonated with me in those years. So I listened to a lot of that and, and when I'm not listening to country or if I'm just burn out on it after three or four days, I listen to classic rock Mm. and uh, like seventies album rock. Yeah. Who, Uh, ACDC, Led Zeppelin, you name it. Queen, uh, Chicago, Eagles. That's the kind of stuff because not only is it uh, uh, awesome great to drive to great to just walk around clean to but yeah. it's very musical stuff and it keeps the brain working that way and, and it's, that's it helps me oh that.
0: man i as as when i left record promotion and just started writing i loved nothing more then writing country all day, then I'd get in the car and I'd listen to Pantera or I'd listen to ACDC or I'd listen to Queen because it, at that point it was fresh in my head. And then tomorrow morning when I was coming to your house and we were going to write a country song, then country was fresh again. And it was just kind of a, a palate cleanser. Yeah. Just to get yeah. two different, com- completely different flavors. And it, it just helped me. Stay fresh on every level, man. So I agree.
1: Good. You know, you know, Tom Shapiro, you've probably written with him.
0: I never have, um, man.
1: Okay. I, yes, of course, um, yeah. Every Christmas for the month of December, he usually wouldn't work in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, the month of December, all he listened to was the Beatles. Wow! He wrote hits. He wrote hits. Oh, your twenty-six number ones. I think maybe twenty-seven number ones he had in country music over his career. Yeah, countless cuts. Uh, but his thing, his reset button was every single he had the entire catalog. Yeah, all of it, and that's all he listened to for the month of December, just to rewire his brain for pop wow. music. Okay, and that's what did it. He said, mm-hmm. I do it every year. I've done it every year for the last 30 years. I will do it even after I retire. The month yeah. of December belongs to the Beatles. That's his thing. That's his reset. I, I should probably think, I should probably come up with that.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's a great idea, man. <laughs> I got to find, find
1: your, out. if it's Pantera your now, you're going to be. You know, you listen to Pantera for about four days. You're going to be a pretty dark dude. So uh, <laughs> you might want to find something besides Pantera Pantera. Lift your spirits.
0: I don't know that it's going to be me that's going to need lifting or if it's going to be Amy that's going to need lifting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. What is he doing? I never know what he's doing.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen Bart in two weeks. Christmas Eve is tomorrow. What are we doing? <laughs> We're supposed to go to his parents in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, so, so what's next for you, man? Are you going to do another record, or you going to keep singing? I mean, like you said, you got your few years of staying creative. Are you going to then do more solo stuff, more solo performing, or what's next for you?
1: Uh, well. I want to go back to, I want to start a band. I like that. I want to, I'm doing this backwards. Most people start a band and then wind up in the music business. <laughs> Me, I have spent right. my whole career in the music business and I want to wind up starting a band. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I don't, obviously I have no illusions about record deal. That's not, why I yeah. want to do it. I want yeah. to do it for fun and I want to find people that are in the same place that want to do it for fun. Yeah. And I think there are some bands in Nashville. You know, Eagle Maniacs is, is a bunch of guys that just love doing that music. They ha- they enjoy it and they can, you know, they can make, I guess, a little money uh, on whatever Tuesdays they're doing yeah. at, uh, there in Nashville. And there are three or four bands like that in Nashville that are just you know, seasoned Iconic musicians, yeah that have a a gift and a passion for something besides work, yeah, and the studio, and that ultimately that'll be what I want to do. Nashville was not the place for me to do that because when I was in Nashville uh work in the studio was number
0: one
1: mm-hmm. so uh hang on. All right, can you see me? Yes, okay, sorry, my battery's about to die, but,
0: oh no, uh
1: so i that was the most important thing to me yeah. was just working in the studio because that's why I was there absolutely, and I didn't want to mix my post career work with my career work, so I didn't do that there and I, and maybe I should have done more writers' nights and stuff like that, but i don't and you know I don't feel any regret. I just when I'm done, four or five more years, I'll probably do this as much as I can for the next four or five years, and then one or two things is going to happen. Either people stop calling, or I just decide that you know what, it's time to start a band, and that's when I'll do it.
0: Well, let me know when you want to do that, because that's what I okay. want to
1: do. All right, well, let's Seriously start. Is a, a heart band. attack.
0: Shoot, yeah, we man.
1: got two guys right here now. We need is a bass player we can trust. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and a drummer that can hear
1: <laughs> or you know Kyle Lenny he actually plays bass with left hand on the organ so we could get Kyle and go. uh you know there you go so, but if if we happen to catch Brignardello when he's ready to give it up yeah we are golden golden we're done golden we're done.
0: so what are your uh, your social media things Westhightower.com.
1: yeah it's not much of a social media thing but it uh what That's else? just a Get to know me page Yeah man uh, I'm on Twitter Every now and then But I'm not a am not much Of a tweeter uh, So
0: <laughs> Instagrammer
1: I don't do Instagram Probably should But I don't really See the difference Between Instagram And Twitter I don't yeah. say a lot Anyway So oh, I can man. keep it Under 163 characters <laughs> Why not just use Twitter <laughs>
0: <laughs> and oh,
1: usually it's and usually it's go screw yourself is all i type <laughs> i take a picture and say go screw yourself or worse and i'm, I'm good to go I'm, i meet all the criteria for yeah, posting on I'm, Twitter,
0: and i'm done for the
1: day it's pretty easy and pretty much yeah walk that one off
0: dude i know your battery's gonna die man thank you so much for doing this I miss you, buddy. Thanks
1: for having me, dude. It's enjoyed it. Next time I get back to town, we are going to have a beer.
0: Please, please. I love you, Wes. Right. Thank you, man.
1: Love you back. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.